Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing? I'm doing well. A little, uh, you know, flustered with everything that's been going on in college football and NCAA for um, the last couple of weeks. But let's talk about it. Uh, I know. It's sort of been a, a madhouse uh, over the last uh, week or so. Um, the, uh, and, you know, we'll talk about it over the course of this podcast, but the, uh, you know, it's funny that all of the news about conference realignment, you know, it doesn't hit until 2024. Um, there's still a football season to be played in the still existing PAC 12 in 2023 and, uh, fall camp began, you know, this week, um, uh, uh, for that 2023 season. And we got, you know, some injury updates and some other things things about the, you know, the actual real Oregon Ducks football team uh, for 2023 that will play against actual real Pac-12 opponents in 2023. And one of the most, uh, you know, anticipated and eagerly watched um, units in terms of uh, the Oregon football team has been the tight end room, um, which you wrote about uh, uh uh, this week, um, in particular, this, the the returning starter, Terrence Ferguson. Uh, what'd you learn? Um, essentially, that uh, according to Dan Lanning and uh, you know a few other reports, that he's he's okay now. He's he's fine to just go full throttle. Which, at least what I you know the main point I put in my article was how good of news that was uh, heading yeah. into fall camp, just because of like how kind of like thin and inexperienced we're stretched at the tight tight room uh, uh, tight end room right now. Uh, I know you and I talked about that on our last podcast about, you know, Casey Kelly coming in and how he, you know, athletically he has lots of potential and everything, but his just, his usage rate at Ole Miss was just, you know, anemic. And like you said, he was just delegated to being pretty much just a run blocker, not even, you know, a pass catcher. Um, you add that in with, you know, the only other guy that had at least decent in-game experience, Cam McCormick, who, you know, at this point was like 30 years old, uh, mm-hmm. finally finishing up his, 
UO tenure. And uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're stretched pretty thin along the, the, the tight end uh, corpse. You, you have uh, Patrick Herbert, who did, you know, catch a touchdown last year, uh, but he only caught, you know, six passes all year. And that's, that's all he had. So having Ferguson step in, even though um, like we're, we're still kind of stretched thin behind him. Uh, that's just, that's, that's a huge, huge get, uh, especially like the fact that he'll be able to participate all through fall camp and really get ready for the season rather than kind of maybe trotting him out a few games into the season. Uh, yeah, no, you know, what we learned, I'm not sure we knew this beforehand, but it was an arm injury. Um, I was really worried that it was like a leg or knee injury, which always like, you know, you know, freaks me out because it's like the way that you got to rehab a leg injury, like you're sort of like weaker while you're, you know, cause like you're limited in your mobility and your ability no. to like, you know, to work 100%. out well, you know, whereas like, Hey, if your arm's in a sling, you can still go for a run, you know, you can well, still that's, do stuff. I mean, yeah. Back in 2011, when I think LaMichael James dislocated his elbow, uh, I think the, the, the running backs coach notoriously said, well, we don't necessarily need his arm. We just need his legs. So, <laughs> in, you know, in, in you do got to be able to switch, you know, which ball you're or which yeah. arm you're carrying the ball in as a running back. I mean, it's a good way to get, you know, fumbles or whatever. But it's like, you know, rehabbing an arm injury, you know, yeah, no, that actually looks sort of, you know, brightened my day pretty significantly. And like, you know, and, and the other thing is with, you know, Will Stein's offense, like, you know, Kenny Dillingham was running like 12 personnel snaps on like a third of the snaps last year. And Will Stein is like, you know, it was only about like 16%. It was like half of that, you know, at UTSA. So like, you know, having a, a tight end room that's like, you know, Terrence Ferguson, Patrick Herbert, you know, that's probably fine, assuming that those guys are both healthy. You know, they're both four stars. You know, there's a question about Mark about, you know, Patrick Herbert, because like he I mean, he came in and in, I think 2019, but like he's struggled with, you know, injuries. And so he's missed some developmental time. Last year, he was behind Maliki Matavau and Cam McCormick. Um, McCormick, who is, of course, as you say, significantly older than him. Um and, and like Matavau, who was younger than him, but like Matavau was like hadn't missed developmental time. And so like he was like, you know, ahead of Herbert. But it's sort of like it's difficult for me to say that like, oh, that means that Herbert sucks. You know, like I don't really think that's true. Um, no, nothing, you know, no, nothing, nothing that shows that he sucks. It just, yeah, he just, you know, needs to get a little more on field time. Right, exactly. And so it's like, you know, I think he sort of lines up for that. You have Sadiq, you know, who's the true fresh, you know, as your article points out, you have Sadiq, who's the, the true freshman, you know, he's, you know, he's probably playable right now as a detached, you know, like receiving tight end, although he's a little too skinny, you know, I wouldn't really trust him as an inline blocking, you know, tight end, but they don't, you know, uh, you know, with with Ferguson's health and with, you know, we've just seen it, you know, literally we've seen it with our own two eyes with Herbert's ability to block like, you know, they've got all the blocking that they need. They don't need him in order to do it. And then they brought in Casey Kelly, um, you know, through the transfer portal, who's like effectively been Ole Miss's starter, you know, for a long time. Um, that's a it's a whole very colorful story. I wrote an article about that, you know, Ole Miss is like, oh my God, their personnel usage is yeah. crazy. I think we've um, spent about 15 minutes tearing their, uh, their game plan to shreds last podcast. So. Yeah, I know. It was so crazy. Like anyway, um, 
you know, to the point where like, yeah, man, you know, and, and I appreciated your article for just, you know, giving the overview, you know, on it, sort of like, let's, you know, take a breath and look at this tight end room. Like, yeah, I, you know, this is fine, you know, considering Stein's offense and consider, you know, and, and what they need of it and what with Ferguson's help, just like, yeah, you know, hey, the, you know, this is, you know, just what they need it to be. Um, and, and like, you know, in terms of like absolute talent and like how stacked it was compared to last year, you know, when they had, you know, not only Ferguson and Herbert, but they also had Matavau and and and, uh, and McCormick and that basically, you know, what they've replaced Matavau and McCormick with is the true freshman Sadiq, who like I think is going to be really good, but like, you know, is a true freshman right now and, and skinny. Um, and Kelly, who's got like a talent ceiling, um, like, you know, unlike every other position on the team, like, you know, Oregon's just sort of like it's absolute level of like talent on paper has gone down at the tight end room. Yeah. You know, compared to 2022, which is like you can't say that about any other unit on the team. Um, but it, but like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cross a line to the point where it's like this is a problem like once once you get the news about ferguson being healthy you're like you know it it doesn't yeah it's like this is still fine like and ferguson is like and ferguson is still you know the or one of the best tight ends you know in in the conference and so it's like yeah there's there's nothing worth worrying about here like most only importantly he he developed uh you know nicks developed trust in him as like a go-to yeah. tight end and you saw that a lot like especially in the red zone you know he nicks was looking for him yeah exactly that's, that's a lot of times what you want to see is like that receiving chemistry with the with the quarterback yeah they don't need to redevelop that with a new tight end you know like it's the same quarterback tight end connection and so it's like yeah and i mean if there if there was anything that oregon fans were you know on the offense anyway were sort of like tummy rumbling about over the offseason it was this and then like as soon you know because it comes down to like one player's health effectively like you know because with the departures like it came down to a single player and like, you know, look at somebody who writes all these pactual previews, you know, like, yeah, I never really love being in a situation where like one dude, you know, determines outcomes. Uh, but like, Hey, he's healthy. So don't sweat it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The good um, thing is the good thing is uh, uh, that like often in the past when we have, you know, had our, 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 uh, you know, potential uh, starting tight end have health troubles or anything like that, or, you know, not be able to play. You have consistently seen another tight end step up well in their place. So yeah, definitely. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say that like, you know, if Ferguson wasn't ready for a while that Patrick Herbert wouldn't have kind of stepped up into that, you know, role, but I, I guess what I was getting around to is just that I'm glad that he doesn't necessarily have to yet. Yeah. And the other thing is like, as your article correctly points out, it's not like, you know, when I was saying a second ago, like, Oh, it comes down to, you know, just one guy, like that's not even true. You know, like there's a bunch of rooms in the pack 12 where it's like, really, they only have one playable dude and that's it. And it really does really and truly is just one dude. Um, like I could sit here and name about like eight teams in the pack 12 for whom, you know, that's the case. And if they had to, you know, if that guy, 
you know, if, 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 if he turned in a bad test and was academically in, ineligible for a game, it's like, well, I guess they don't have a tight end that week. You know, yeah. like, you know, this is not the case for Oregon's tight end room. Like Patrick Herbert is, you know, playable and pretty good in a four star. Like Casey Kelly has been a starter in an SEC team for three years. Uh, yeah. y- you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Kenyon Sadiq is a four star true freshman, you know, who we saw in the spring game who can catch the ball just fine. You, you know, yeah. like the, 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 you know, the, the, like they, the idea that like, oh, Oregon's tight end room goes to hell, uh, you know, or, or like is non existent without Terrence Ferguson. Mm, that's not true. And on top of that, like, look, I, I, I did an entire project on, on Will Stein's, you know, offense at UTSA. It's just not an offense that like is a hundred percent, like absolutely dependent on, you know, the tight end. Like, it's just not, mm-hmm. you know, the tight end is like a luxury or like a nice thing to have, or even like Kenny Dillingham's offense, which didn't go through the tight end, but like he was using them a lot. Like, it's not even that, you know, if I were, you know, some of the other offenses around the Pac-12, like, you know, if I were Andy Ludwig and, you know, I couldn't put on a T-shirt without two tight ends to help me, you know, I might be freaking out about this room. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But but that's not this situation either. So, like, yeah, no, there's the, the you know, your article was very nice and very reassuring for just be like, yeah, there's nothing to worry about here, like, at all. Yeah, true. Um, in, in, in general, the tight end room, especially with Ferguson's uh, return, is looking pretty good. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, we will, at long last, talk about some conference realignment. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so the news of the week, uh, Oregon is joining the Big Ten, uh, along with Washington, uh, USC, and UCLA for the 2024 um, uh, season. Um, you wrote an opinion article uh, that was uh, published on, on uh, Tuesday morning about it. Uh, your headline, it was a bit provocative, which uh, sometimes you do, Adam. Uh, <laughs> you wrote, uh, Oregon's move to the Big Ten feels more desperate than strategic. Uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Well, yeah, you know me. I've, ne- I've never been one to be very filtered. Um, honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of it, um, and I kind of explained why. Um, granted, I, I see that you know it's it's it really is kind of like a, a necessity at this point. Like, you definitely don't want to be kind of like floating out in Nowheresville, like Oregon State and Washington State currently are. 
Um, so it, you know, it makes sense from, from that standpoint, you know, that like, you know, you get, you get an invite, you have a, you have a secure conference, you have somewhere to go. You're not, you know, floating out in, in no man's land. Uh, just, I mean, to me in general, a lot of this realignment just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, especially from a geographical standpoint. Um, I think that was kind of what I was like nitpicking about quite a bit is that how like, aside from these, you know, Pac-12 jumpers, every other team over there is, is, is all gathered around the Great Lakes or Eastern Seaboard. So mm-hmm. uh, one thing I kind of, uh, you know, yammered and complained about was, was the, uh, the cost and the, uh, and the, you know, the difficulty of traveling uh, to these different games and stuff. Now, one thing I, I, I did mention, which uh, was, was scrapped, I mean, at least one, one idea I had was scrapped because um, I actually wrote that article, you know, yesterday afternoon, um, even though it was released this morning. And then uh, that evening got word that uh, apparently Cal and Stanford had uh, agreed to join up with the ACC. <laughs> so, yeah, two Pacific Coast teams heading over to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Oh, wait, that's news to me. Is that confirmed? Um, it was reported. There hasn't been there hasn't been an official confirmation, but it was reported. I mean, they're they're so desperate like if they have any sort of a lifeline, like I wouldn't doubt that they would, you know, grab at it. Uh uh but like, yeah, man, like I, I don't yeah, I don't think that's confirmed yet. Although I don't know, my, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, it will be. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you like, never really are know. moving fast on this. That's 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 exactly why I. That's didn't part of the back. reason why this podcast hasn't really discussed conference realignment yet, as I never yeah, really yeah, want exactly. to be out and say stuff it that like. So by the time I finish the audio editing on the podcast, it's wrong. It's different. You know? Yeah, exactly. Which is which is exactly why I didn't go back in and throw that into the article because I was like, well, there's no confirmation; it's just reports. Um, so we'll see. I, I I don't I don't know if that's gonna you know going to be the case or not. Uh, the one thing that I had pointed out was the potential of like a Western division within the the, the Big Ten or Big Twenty or whatever you want to call it now. Um, I I mean I feel that would make quite a bit more sense. You could uh, get a lot more continuity with the games that were going on in the Pac-12, and you could spare these teams having to make consistent trips thousands of miles away. Again, that I still think that's going to require at least a couple more Western teams to join in. Uh, I don't, you know, four isn't quite enough to make a division out of six is. So I guess I was, am sort of surprised that the Big Ten has has said no to Cal and Stanford in that sense. And that like Cal and Stanford do sort of from a I mean, not from a football standpoint, although sort of from a football standpoint, to be perfectly honest, because like spoiler alert, I've been watching some Big Ten, you know, football film like you know, it's not like Cal and Stanford wouldn't be competitive with like eight out of the 10 teams in the presently constituted Big Ten, you know, as of 2022. Um, But like, you know, if you're trying to like raise the overall level of competition, you know, in the Big Ten, like, yeah, I understand not ending, you know, uh, Cal and Stanford, but like, because uh, like they're not great football teams right now, uh, although they have been in the past in the f- fairly recent past, you know, Jeff Tedford and De- David Shaw at times have had those programs humming and there's no reason Bay Area schools shouldn't. I mean, part of the reason why those teams are, are sort of like historic underperformers is that they should be a lot better. Um, but anyway, I, that's a bit of a digression. Uh, like they're just such a fit for the like 
academically for the Big Ten, you know, like, you know, and on top of that, I would I would think that the Big Ten would love Cal and Stanford from a like from the Olympic sport perspective, Um, you know, having already grabbed up UCLA and USC, which is like those four California schools represent like 90 percent of uh, the United States. I just pulled that number out of the air, but it's close uh, of their Olympic medals. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, and where the other 10% come from, or basically all the rest is big 10 schools. Um, and, uh, and like to, to the point where like, if the, the big 10 plus those four California schools like broke off and formed their, like an independent nation, uh, that they would be like number one all time in Olympic medal count. And like the rest of the United States, Russia and China would be behind them. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would just think, you know, from, from like an academic prestige and like Olympic sports and just being able to be like the snooty, like we are the, you know, the, the cool conference and the SEC is the like, I don't know, because like the two super conference thing is coming. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and just being able to like, first of all, differentiate yourself from the SEC as the like, we're the we're the like the snooty conference and you're the like slum in it you know you're the the backwater you know super conference right and then also differentiating yourself from the big 12 which is going to be the like the new like the what what this move will relegate the big 12 and the acc to is like the new tier b right so like tier a is going to be big 10 sec tier b is going to be big 12 acc and then tier C is going to be like the, 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 what we currently consider the group of five. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if you want to solidify that, then what you do as the big 10 is you grab up Cal and Stanford. Like it differentiates you as uh, you know, it makes clear that ABC framework and it differentiates you from your, now your superpower rival, like the United States and the Soviet union during the cold war. It like, it makes you the good guys in the sec, the bad guys, you know, cause yeah. like Cal and Stanford, those are clearly good guy programs, you know, like, you know, those are like academic schools with Olympic sports. Those are like hero programs to have, you know, like, uh, Whereas like Old Miss and, and Florida, those are villain programs to have uh, <laughs> for like historical reasons that, you know, should be obvious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, man, I kind of think that this it's going to happen. Like, right. Here, I mean, like just like Oregon and Washington happened, even though it didn't happen initially. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, the reason why I would think at least that maybe the Big Ten has been you know, hesitant on Stanford and Cal um, I, I think kind of boils down to uh, fanfare a little bit, to be perfectly yeah. honest. As you mentioned, Berkeley and Stanford, two of the more prestigious academic schools. And uh, even at their, you know, the peak of their powers, when you're talking like the mid 2000s with Cal, when they had Deshaun Jackson and stuff, or, you, you know, the early 2010s with Stanford, when they had Andrew Luck, it was still tough for even those places to get a sellout in football. Yeah, And, uh, you know, basketball, men's basketball, which... You know, let's face it, men's basketball and football, the two biggest revenue ones. It's just you, you don't see a whole lot of fanfare out of them. You don't see you don't see like raucous, crazy crowds and everything. And, you know, like a huge campus interest in, in, in sports, whereas 
you know, you take Oregon and Washington. Yeah, that's, you know, Oregon and Washington have colorful, loud, boisterous fans all over the place that, you know, get into it and everything like that. So I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said about Cal and Stanford. I think that like, just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, that would probably be my reasoning as to why the Big Ten might be a little hesitant because the Big Ten is known for, you know, like, yeah, our, our, our schools up here, are, like the fans are all about the sports. You know what I mean? Like they're all about their teams. They're all about the fanfare. And just when you look at schools like Cal and Stanford, you're just not going to see that based on their, their academic prowess. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other thing, I mean, as you wrote, you know, in your article, like it creates a lot of inconveniences and especially without Cal and Stanford was why we started talking about this. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of travel, like, and the, you know, it's going to be a lot of like night games and, you know, it, it sure as hell ain't going to be Ohio state that's coming out for a, a 6 30 PM Pacific time kick, you know, like it's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be Purdue, you know, yeah, and, or Rutgers and or something like that. <laughs> which actually, I I've watched like Purdue and Indiana and Austin Stadium, but they were like noon games anyway. Uh, yeah. The like the the uh, there, I mean, there are there's a there's a ton of inconveniences, and it's suboptimal. And, and like I, you know, the comment that I wrote to your article was that like I think there is, I mean, there was an optimal or what optimal would have been. Uh, would be Oregon resume or Oregon lives in a West coast conference that has, you know, easy uh, uh, travel or as easy as it gets in the West coast. I mean, you know, people got to remember that, like, if you're in a conference that has Arizona schools in it, you're already getting on like, you know, thousand mile flights, you know, like yeah. you're racking up the frequent flyer miles, simply living on the West coast. And there's nothing you're going to do about that. Uh, you know, but, uh, anyway, like, you know, and, and sort of historical, you know, uh, conference opponents and, you know, and all that good stuff. Um, but that also provides you like financial stability and, you know, you're on television and you have like brand awareness and like, you're not like on Apple for, you know, $20 million, like, you know, people having to like sign up for Apple TV to watch the ducks. Like that was like, on a six year contract, like it was just like not going to happen. Like, just like, anyway, that my, my point being that like the, 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 that like optimal would have been pack 12 with money mm -hmm. and, and it, like pack 12 with money would have been optimal. I would have loved pack 12 with money. The problem mm -hmm. is pack 12 with money. There's no universe that exists in which pack 12 with money happens like sad like it's yeah. sad that that's true but it's true and like and that means that you have two suboptimal options like number one is pac 12 with no money um which like ugh, like oh my god like and i i mean like we can 
we can talk all day about why that would be the case. Uh, we've sort of avoided it on this podcast because there's about 10 billion podcasts for the last two years that have been talking about it and like a million uninformed speculation tweets and like a thousand articles and and uh, about, you know, why it's true. But, you know, wh- I guess what I'll contribute, you know, is my background doing like all these Pac-12 previews. You know, for the last five years, I've written up, you know, every, you know, Pac-12 team, you know, basically twice, you know, uh, f- you know, during the summer, uh, you know, for all the previews. And then, you know, as Oregon plays them, although, of course, I, I miss one or two every year because, you know, the, the, the conference schedule. Um, and then I also write up Oregon's, you know, big out of conference opponents, which means I get, you know, a look every year, usually two looks every year about like how the big schools do it. You know, I got to look at Ohio state. I've gotten to look at Georgia. I've gotten to look at Oklahoma. I've gotten to look at, you know, even, you know, other teams that have a good season, but you know, like Michigan state a couple of times, right. I've looked at K state and I've looked at, you know, Auburn and I've, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Over the years, I've looked at a lot of different programs from conferences that like that culturally just like take football seriously. And then I also, you know, look at PAC 12 teams. And it's like, look, man, look, it's super duper clear to me, like get, you know, like I know a lot of people say this on a superficial level, um, but I can tell you like, you know, let, let me add my voice to the chorus and, and, and to the extent that I have any credibility that comes from like doing really deep studies on these questions, like let me, you know, add that credibility to it. It's that like, yeah, it's really true. Like most of the teams in the Pac-12, the, the presently constituted Pac-12, you know, uh, um, uh, do not take football seriously. Um, like Oregon is sort of the, the odd duck, ha ha ha, um, in that it does, uh, like, I mean, kind of like, like, like mid tier or even low tier, you know, big 10 teams or sec teams or even big 12 teams take football and really all high higher level athletics way, way more seriously and, and construct their rosters way more professionally than, than even like teams like three starting like team number three and moving on down uh the in the pack 12 um like it's you know Oregon's just like in terms of like taking football serious like if that's your definition of what culture is like Oregon was not a cultural fit for the pack 12 um and I think the Big Ten saw that, too, because Oregon and Washington have by far the best fan bases in the conference, without a doubt. And Uh, like you said, even they're not like what you see in the upper tier of the Big Ten or the SEC at all. And and what and the relevance of that, it's not just me like trash talking those those schools, the relevance of that, you know. I guess like lots of people want to trash, you know, Larry Scott, and now they want to trash, you know, George Klyavkov. And before that, they were, you know, trashing Tom Hansen. And frankly, I think they do deserve tons and tons of criticism, you know, certainly. Um, But like, what are the odds that the Pac-12 got like three horrendous commissioners uh, all in a row who uh, all three, you know, uh, torpedoed an otherwise fantastic product that, um, you know, if it weren't for those, you know, rotten commissioners, uh, you know, that that everything would have been hunky-dory. Like, no, nah, come on. 
you know, that's not true. Like the problem is the schools. Like the problem, you know, the, the problem is like these, the, the schools don't take football seriously and the fan bases, you know, don't show up. They, they you know, like, look, man, it, it, you know, like the Pac-12 network getting on, on DirecTV as a, as an example, like if they tried to do that to the SEC, like uh, about 10 million people would march to DirecTV headquarters and burn it to the ground overnight. Uh, if they tried to play hardball with the SEC, the fact yeah. that DirecTV not only like suggested doing it, but then effectively did it and then effectively did it for 12 years is like tells you everything you need to know about big to- uh, uh, Pac-12 fan bases. Yeah. And and like that fundamental fact about fan base apathy on, uh, of, of Pac-12 schools like that fundamental fact is what informs the fact that the, the why there was never going to be a viable media deal and yeah. as soon as you make that determination that there's no such thing as a viable media deal for the Pac-12 without USC in it like that's it Oregon had to leave mm-hmm. like there was you know like there is no alter you know that you know like True. Pac-12 with money doesn't exist. Uh, Pac-12 without money is does not service Oregon's ambitions. Like you know, Oregon True. on streaming Apple Television, getting you know twenty million dollars. Maybe there's probably de-escalators built into that contract. Yeah, like does it, it doesn't work? So like desperation in is the word you used in your headline. Like is is accurate? Like they had no other alternative. Well, here's here's like, here's the thing. I I I I'm like a chef. I like to be a pot stirrer, and I know the kind of words that'll get people. Um, usually, what I put in in my headlines, there's something underneath it that maybe I don't necessarily write, just because it's not as grabby. Um, let me just clarify for anybody that was wondering. Uh, desperation born of this ne- born of necessity. Well, it's like, uh, I think, I think yeah. both of the words in your headline <laughs> yeah. are accurate. It is both yeah. desperate and strategic. It is, mm-hmm. it was both their best strategic move or both best available strategic move. And the only available, you know, uh, strategic move and therefore desperate is the correct word to describe it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if this didn't, if they botched it and didn't pull this off, like that's it. Oregon is done as a viable high level football program. Like that was it. It could not happen. Like, I, I was- guess, I guess that the, uh, you know, the, the, the reason why I thought, thought about desperate versus strategic is because I, I believe like the evening or morning before Oregon decided on joining uh, the Big Ten, along with Washington, is that both schools had apparently lost. I mean, per again, per reports, had apparently lost interest in that, and were you know looking to stay put. Which in in a you know in a, in a sense, you know, like like gave the, the gave them a little more leverage as far as like Pac twelve deals. Again, though, that then you have to factor in like the money deals, the TV, you know, and and, and the, the crappy commissioning of the Pac-12. But I guess I guess that's what I meant is is that in in a, in a in a string of maybe like six to eight hours, you saw Oregon reportedly. 
again, you know, this isn't, you know, fact, but reportedly kind yeah. of flip things up three different times as in we're in, we're out and then we're in again. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, uh, I like your qualifiers. Cause like, I, I don't know how much that's true. You know, like I, yeah. you know, it, it, it's entirely possible that stuff is smoke screens. Um, but like, but I'll still endorse the notion that it's desperate in the sense that like, you know, the phrase that we use in during, you know, uh, uh, competitive sports seasons, like control your own destiny, meaning like win in your end, you know, and, but if you, you know, there's also a situation where you don't control your own destiny, like you need help, right? Like you need somebody else, some other games to go a particular way. And if they don't, like somebody else controls your destiny, right? Like yeah. mm -hmm. somebody else controlled Oregon's destiny, right? Yeah. Like the big 10 had to make a decision and they could have made another decision. And in that mm -hmm. sense, like, yeah, you know, Oregon was desperate in that situation. They had to, you know, they had to beg. Um, Cause like, they couldn't just like say, Hey, we're the ducks, you know, like, like if Alabama or Georgia said like, Hey, we're considering um, leaving the sec. Do any of you guys want us? Like there's no begging involved. Like every no. conference would be like, yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah. What do you want? Like it you can have like everything, a, like you know, bachelorette giving out roses. Right. Exactly. Point. Or if like Ohio <laughs> state or Michigan said like, Hey, yeah. we're sort of feeling like uh, maybe joining the sec. Do you, what do you guys think about that? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> like they, you know, they're not begging. They're in the driver's seat. Oregon wasn't in yeah. the driver's seat, you know, no. like that was so, which, which goes back to my point though, Oregon and Washington, are kind of like, you know, you know, top notch for the Pac-12 as far as, you know, fan bases, TV contracts and all that kind of stuff. It, it just shows you how 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 minute we are compared yeah. to some of these other big leagues. But I mean, it all happens based on media market. I mean, like, you know, go, going back uh, uh, to what I said a minute ago about like, you know, the Pac-12 is not viable with USC or UC without USC or UCLA. Like they weren't viable with USC or UCLA like those per like when I listed the problems with um the pac-12 as currently constituted like 2011 through 2023 version of the pac-12 like mm -hmm. you know in terms of being a conference that doesn't take football seriously that the schools under invest in their programs the 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 football teams underperform on the field and the fans don't show up to the games and don't make you know uh high level demands of their programs um and, and the you know supporting institutions around them like you know who the prime offenders you know are <laughs> USC for those UCLA. complaints USC and yeah. UCLA yeah. I mean not they're not the yeah. only ones on the hook but they're the ones where there there's the greatest gap between you know where they ought to be performing on those questions and where they do perform on those questions so like I mean they're the biggest defenders in that sense you know so like uh you know yeah the biggest single reason why you know the the Pac-12 was ever like foundationally in trouble was that like the tentpole around which it was supposed to be organized the way that like the big 10 is it organized around the tentpole of ohio state and michigan and the sec is organized around the tentpole of alabama and georgia like the tentpole around which the 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 pac-12 is supposed to be organized is supposed to be usc and ucla because like look at the media market or maybe los angeles and the bay area you know, mm -hmm. and yet, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, the Bay Area schools and Los Angeles area schools, you know, or maybe it's, you know, look at all the big cities. I mean, it's like, boy, I will never stop talking about like, look at all the big cities in the West, you know, Seattle, uh, 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 Phoenix, uh, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Los Angeles, uh, uh, Colorado's in the Denver media market, you know, like look, the, the Bay Area. Like these are enormous metropolitan statistical areas that effectively yeah. have, you know, considering the size of the MSA and like, look, I know that Utah has, you know, a fan base that, you know, that likes their program, you know, they're, they're of those six places, like the, the least to blame, but still considering, you know, if you look at the MSA versus fan engagement, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kentucky blows them out of the water. You know, like Kentucky is a comparable sized MSA, uh, uh, you know, their their city versus, you know, S- SLC mm-hmm. and their fan engagement versus Utah's fan engagement. Like, nope, sorry. You know, UK destroys UU. Um, yeah, absolutely. like, you know, there's Utah is still an offender and then everybody else is way worse, you know, way, 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 yep. way, way worse. Um and like, that's the foundational problem with the, with the PAC 12, you know, whereas, you know, Oregon and Eugene, like, oh my God, it's like completely saturated, you know, like, you know, or, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the state of Oregon and its engagement and frankly, Oregon state does a great job. I mean, it's tiny, but like in terms of saturation, like way to go beeves, you know, like Oregon is like the own, the state of Oregon. Like within the four corners of the state of Oregon, like you're, you know, the, the state of Oregon might as well be, you know, a a Confederate state for how much it loves football. It's two football teams. Like, and and then like go down to like, you know, D3 Linfield, like, yeah, you know, like, well, you know, at all levels, Oregon, the state of Oregon loves football. Like, you know, we do. yeah, you know, we're part, part of that. Part of that may be that we're lacking a, pro- a professional football. Well, I mean, I'm sure that has something to I do digress. with it. And if you and if you look at the SEC, you will, you know, look at their footprint. It's like out, the state of Alabama doesn't have a professional football team. Yeah. The state of Mississippi yeah. doesn't have a professional football team. Like there's a bunch of examples of that, although there are counterexamples as well. Like the state of Tennessee has two SEC teams and it has, you know, a, a pro football team. You know, state of Florida obviously has multiple pro football teams. There are counterexamples here. The Big Ten has multiple, you know, like, you know, the the existence of the Detroit Lions does not deter anybody from rooting for Michigan. Uh, Anyway, in fact, probably encourages them to root for Michigan. (laughs) Anyway, I got to have somewhere to turn. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, the, uh, you know, my point being that like, uh, yeah, I definitely understand, you know, culturally from a, like, uh, going surfing and smoking weed, uh, thing. Yeah. Oregon is definitely a PAC 12 team, um, from a, a culturally like enjoying football and taking it seriously and investing and having fans show up like Oregon's a big 10 team all day, man. Yeah, I agree. In, in the end, it's, it's, the you know the lesser of all the evils so i'm not you know i mean <laughs> i'm not i'm not completely and 100 percent opposed to and disgusted by it you're just being a grouchy I'm, old man you're turning, I'm, I'm, you're a I'm, young I'm, man I'm just, with an old man spirit you're just complaining just about change I, I like yeah i just complain about change and try and hang on to tradition and i don't know it just works into my journal yeah, right. somehow or another all right our, our, our republican party recruiting ad is <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's knock that off. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the uh, the Big Ten film study projects I've been doing. So, if you may uh, have guessed, I um, uh, back in July of uh, 2022 or, or late June, actually, when USC and UCLA uh, made their announcement, like I, you know. I, I had already figured that like, well, or it's do or die for Oregon. Like Oregon's got to follow them to the big 10 or they're done. So, you know, I made the determination that Oregon is going to be a big 10 team. And I, and therefore, you know, all of the, the database that I had built out for the, the, you know, the, the PAC 12 players and all the charting database that I had built out for the PAC 12. Well, I need to have one of those, uh, for the, for the big 10, um, as well to be prepared for the move. Um, and so I started in the summer of, uh, 2022 and I continued in, in this summer, uh, for 2023. Um, I just sort of, you know, in my spare time, I would chart, you know, big 10 games. Uh, it, um, is quite, you know, that their culture of football is somewhat different. Like, uh, you know, it's definitely not high flying offenses. Um, they're definitely, you know, pretty different, uh, offenses, you know, at, at the top level, no, you know, like Ohio state, you know, definitely runs on an offense that is recognizable. Like if the, if the shoe were on the other foot in Ohio state moved to the PAC 12, like, oh yeah, they'd fit right in, you know, yeah. like, um, well, they, they, they have the, they have the offensive firepower with their recruiting yeah. to do that. That's why Well, not just that, but they just the sort of like they, you know, they run a modern offense, you know, yeah. um, but like, oh man, um, b- boy, a lot of these teams, you know, otherwise, like, I mean, they fill up their football stadiums, which is cool, but like they fill up their football stadiums to watch like Posh and Dahl. Like, I mean, it's, it's like World three, War One. Three yards and a cloud of dust is the way my father would yeah, put man. it. I think that's, <laughs> it, it, it is a lot of that. Um, so anyway, I, I finished up the project, um, actually last month, late last uh, month, I got it all finished up. And then as soon as the news hit, uh, this weekend, I put the statistical regression engine to work. Um, and so on Thursday I'll be publishing an article that's just sort of a survey, uh, you know, statistical survey using my charting system of, you know, the, the big 10 teams for, you know, what's Oregon getting into statistically of like what these teams look like, um, since like any Anybody who's been reading my stuff has a background of what I think of all the various um, as presently constituted Pac-12 teams. And so I figured they would appreciate knowing, um, you know, what I think of or what my charting system anyway thinks of, you know, these big Big Ten teams. And so I figured I'd, we'd talk about it on the podcast, you know, since I've been stuffing my brain with all these, uh, you know, Big Ten teams. Uh, uh, what do you think uh, about Big Ten football, Adam? Well, <sighs> Here's here here's the couple things that I wanted to pick your brain about, just because you know you you being on the more statistical side, me being on the more narrative side, you know I engage in a lot of uh, you know, conversations with other uh, you know, sports savvy individuals. Uh, the general consensus uh, seems to be, well, Oregon Oregon you know has a lot of finesse. They they get they get by with their you know their their, their flashiness and whatnot. Mm. When when they face a real defense, then they're in trouble. Statistically speaking, numbers-wise, how do, how do you see offenses like Oregon and Washington and USC 
faring against those those Big Ten defenses that, you know, at least through through fanfare and stuff, have been claimed to be so much more dominant and hard-hitting. Well, from a statistical perspective, like, I mean, it is true that, you know, it's true that in the aggregate, because I have like 14 teams that I can look at in the aggregate in the aggregate, but then like, how, how they, about the, uh, how about the, 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 the top five, Michigan state, Wisconsin, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan, like those, those upper tier teams of the big 10. Actually over the last two years, Wisconsin has not been, uh, oh, well, okay. <laughs> in the top five. It's sort of, um, it's sort of fluctuated, but it, Wisconsin's actually been pretty low. Um, they've, you know, they fired Paul Christ, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been kind of rocky for him. And then Michigan state's been weird. They had a great 2021 and then they fell off a cliff in, um, in 2022. Yeah. Like it's enough to like keep them in. I, I would st- like, I'd put them as that number five, but then like, you know, there's a bunch of other teams, like you sort of, sort of like Minnesota and Purdue and even, and Maryland is actually my sort of team. Although a large part of that is, uh, um, Tagovailoa, Tua's, you know, younger brother, um, mm-hmm. which like as soon as they lose that guy, I sort of think that they're pro- like, I don't think that Lockley is like doing a good enough job with that team. I sort of think they just sort of captured lightning in the bottle with like a very talented quarterback. Um, yeah. Although their defense is surprisingly like a little better than than um, I think a lot of people give it credit for. Like their pass defense is actually um, significantly above water. But anyway, um, the the. Uh, who number five is in the big 10 is, is a, a question for great debate. Like, you know, there's definitely a big three in, in the big 10, you know, like there's absolutely no question that, yeah. you know, Michigan, yeah. Ohio state, Penn state are, are you know, conference. are the big dogs of that conference. And then, you know, where, it, and then, you know, no matter how you slice it, it falls off. Um, there's really, you know, like I could probably pretty comfortably name that tier B, but as I just sort of like hemmed and hawed about like Wisconsin fell out, you know, of that group, Michigan state is in the process of falling out. Maryland may or may not be climbing into it. Purdue, you know, climbs in and out Iowa, like Iowa has an elite defense, uh, but their offense is just like, uh, makes me want to kill myself like um you know well i'm glad you didn't hold back on that assessment just like oh like oh my god minnesota is an interesting team like i mean up and down you know the 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 big 10 and then you have teams that are sort of you know like indiana is a football team like um like technically um well how how do you think how do you think that the, the the top three in the pack Oregon, Washington, and USC. How do you think that their high-powered offenses would fare against the top three in the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State's defense? Uh, those would be, I mean, those would be real games. Like, those would be for real, like, football games. Like, I, I don't know how, how I would predict the outcomes to those games. Like, I, those are those are the games that you, that conference realignment happened in order to attract viewership because you don't know the answer to that question. Those would be like, those would be must see television um, that would, you know, because even I, somebody who's spent a ton of time studying all of those teams, like have a hard time answering that. Like uh, they'd be really good games. Um, But 
you know, the, the idea that like, oh, these high powered West Coast offenses would blow them out of the water or, oh, you know, these for real, you know, Big Ten defenses would would shut these, you know, finesse teams down. Like both of those are ridiculous. If you're somebody who believes, you know, those things, you know, you need to um, educate yourself uh, uh, more um, like, no, 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 no. Those, those three teams, you know, in the big 10 are, are talented and they're for real. And, and when talent plays talent, like you, you get fireworks. Um, and the idea that like culturally, you know, Oh, you know, my cultural stereotypes about one conference going up against another conference, like that's what should rule the roost. Like, forget it. Um, you know, additionally, like these, th- these games aren't going to be played for another year and a half, right? Like 2024, yeah. like, you know, like I want to watch the 2023 tape and what, however much 2024 tape, you know, would happen pr- going into those games, you know, like don't yeah. ask me to predict the game like 18 months before it happens, Adam. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to pick your brain. What man? The, the thing, yeah. The thing that, uh, the thing that has to be considered too, is that, um, in 2023, Oregon and Washington and USC will will each boast very elite quarterbacks that are all in the you know in the top ten in the country. Uh, probably not going to be necessarily the case in 2024. So right, another, exactly. You know, Caleb Williams. That, you know, yeah, the, all the, three the, of those the, quarterbacks, right? Like yeah, Penix and Williams, Williams and are Nick not going to be against Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. So yeah, so like you know, we'll see. Like you, who knows? Like if you, if you traveled forward in time, or you know, I, uh, anyway. I mean, those would be great. I mean, they'd be great matchups if they happened right now. Like yeah, so. You know, as for like, you know, what I but really this was more of a survey project, you know, you know, where I looked at all these other things and and like to the extent that, you know, you let off asking me about like, oh, well, the stereotype is, you know, that these, you know, are are are, you know, the Big Ten teams are, you know, these staunch, uh, um, you know, powerhouses, you know, and so like all 14 of them all the way down to Indiana you know, or these like, well, they play physical football and they'll be able to like, no, uh-uh. I'm sorry. Like most of them are, they're like, they, you know, when Ohio state shows up for their annual, like throttling, they get throttled like, oh my God, like they, they you know, and they just fold too. I mean, you know, honestly, that's the weirdest thing. You know, well, we're still talking about the aggregate and not any specific team. I'm not going to name names and I'm not, putting on my um conspiracy tinfoil you know either but here's what i notice is that like it'll be it'll be like the third quarter with like five minutes left yeah and and the good team will be up by like not not 14 points, like let's say 15 or 16 points you know enough where the game is still in question you know, but they're, you know, the, the losing team needs to start throwing touchdowns, you know, right? Like they need to pick up the pace. They need to start throwing the ball and they need to start throwing it deep, right? You know, like they need to start scoring touchdowns, um, but they can win this game still. Like the game's not out of reach, right? There's still enough time in the clock. They don't have to go crazy, but they need to like, hey, you need to pick up the pace, right? Um, mm-hmm. And in the Pac-12, you know what would happen, right? Like the, yeah. the Pac-12 is a knife fight. Like if USC strolls into Cal's backyard, Cal doesn't like 
say, oh, yes, sir, you know, you get to walk away with this easy victory. Like Cal gets out the knives and tries to stab him in the throat, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I watch Big Ten games, this is the thing, you know, over these two years of doing all this film study, what would happen over and over and over again during like, you know, is that exactly the circumstance that I just described, you know, like the game is still in reach if you pick up the pace and start throwing the ball is instead what they do is they start like, well, the first six plays of this drive were all runs and we took 30 seconds off the play clock. And it's like, I crawled down the field and kicked a field goal. Uh, and I took five minutes off the clock to staunch the bleeding. It, it, it's like, and so that, you know, that, you know, it's like their strategy was to keep Ohio state from scoring another touchdown as opposed to scoring a touchdown themselves, you know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. And like, again, I'm not I'm not putting on the like the tinfoil hat here. I'm not saying that like Ohio State bribed them, you know, like, hey, remember who butters your bread? You have to let us win this game. I'm not saying that, but I'm <laughs> saying that like just culturally, their idea is use your offensive possession to, you know, to 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 keep the other team from hurting you more. It's like battered you know, it's like, you know, battered cornhusker syndrome or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, like just, to, you know, I'll hold on to the ball so you can't hurt me anymore as opposed to like, we need to score points. Like yeah. that's, I mean, that's what I'm used to from watching the pack 12 where it's like, I'm down 15 points. Time to start throwing the ball, yeah, dude. You know, big, like, but big whoop, you know, you're only like five plays away from tying that up. Yeah, exactly. Just like, let's do it, dude. You know, like there's the amount of like, let's do it, dude. Like that exists in maybe three. And, and part of the reason why I started saying, hey, maybe Maryland or like, you know, I sort of, you know, Minnesota is kind of interesting or like M Michigan State, like Peyton Thorne, you know, I'm kind of like some of the, you know, there's some like, I'm not trying to say that this is universal in the Big Ten. It's not like there are some, you know, dudes that got some moxie, you know, like I, this is not like all the teams and certainly it's not the big dog teams, but like man for a whole lot of those teams, I sort of was like this game is in range. What are you doing? You know, like, why are you turtling, you know, at, at this like Pac-12 teams wouldn't turtle at this point. Like, um, yeah, so mm -hmm. and, and but then I, you know, when I look at the um, the statistical breakdown, which was the point of doing this, this project or, or the, the point of the article that I'm going to be publishing on Thursday, it's that like, well, it does kind of make sense from, you know, this because like consistent, like in the aggregate, that's what you see. And it's even true of the like the big dog teams where it's like they're their offensive efficiency numbers are like consistently like eight to 12 points worse than their, like, I'm just, I'm looking at Indiana right now, their offensive. I just happen to have the screen pulled up. Their offensive pass efficiency number is 39%, which is like stab me in the eyeball bad. Um, their defensive rush efficiency is 49%, which is still underwater, but it's like, Hey man, it's pretty close to 50%, which is an average team, you know, even a bad, e even Indiana, which is like their worst team over the last two years, like even their, even their worst team had like an average rush defense efficiency. Yeah. Right. Like, so like in the aggregate, their defenses are better than their offenses and like by a wide margin, right? Like that's a, that's a 10%, that's a 10 percentage point gap 
which is like that's really big as i, as yeah. I count things like that's enormous um like i mean like uh, be, when when you think about a percentage point in this system like think of it as like a foot in in depth of a swimming pool so like 10 foot you know depth of swimming pool like yeah it's huge um uh, uh yeah so like you know it's sort of that's to like football culture or like the the like the, the culture of how you uh, game plan uh, you know, like that would be in the aggregate. The biggest thing that I notice is that like there it's a defense first league in the aggregate, yeah. like their strat, like if I'm in trouble, their strategy is play defense, not I got to get myself out of trouble by playing offense. It's, it's more similar, more similar to pro football. In I that, guess in that in that sense, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big and pro that, football and, that, and, that, and that there's not really, like you said, space for that whole well, if we're in trouble, you know, a, a comeback is only just a few right. hail marys. Whereas, whereas I would say, or, right, yeah. I would definitely say what I've observed of the Pac-12 in the aggregate, you know, obviously there are exceptions. I, I don't want to, you know, try to be making universal statements here either. Uh, but in the aggregate, you know, Pac-12 teams have felt by and large, like when I'm in trouble, my answer is to get, you know, get aggressive offensively. You know, yeah, exactly. I, need to, I need to score my way out of problems. Well, I mean, um, you, you know, you even look back at, uh, you know, Oregon's matchup with Washington last November, yeah. you know, in, 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 in Big Ten style, that game probably would have been over a lot earlier than it was. But yeah. since it's in the Pac-12, Oregon's just like, all right, you know, Washington's kind of creaming us in every statistical category. Let's just start unleashing some bombs and like bada boom, bada bing, you know, Oregon's right back there. And yeah. like, you just, it's, you know, it's true. You just, <laughs> you don't see that as much in, in like Big Ten SEC style football. It's more like, okay, once a team grabs momentum and, and defensive control, you know, and the tempo of the game, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of all she wrote. It's not yeah. really a matter of like, all right, this team could just, you know, air it out, get a few scores and we're right back in this. It's like, no, they've, they've taken over tempo. They've taken over, you know, the, the trenches and then this game's in the books. There are a couple of like individual team level surprises. I'll, I'll just give you, you have to read my article to get all of them, but like, so here's an example, Iowa. Um, they're, Pass defense efficiency is elite, right? Like close to 60%, um, which is championship caliber. Like they really could be a championship level pass defense. Um, their rush deficiency is interesting. It's actually slightly below water. It's like, you know, 49%, like 49.8. Um, but they let you get, which means that like you can just barely crawl down the field with them, but you barely get any yards, right? You only get like 3.85 yards per carry and only like eight. Point eight of your runs gain 10 plus yards so like you can three to use your phrase or your dad's phrase you can get like three yards and a cloud of dust against iowa's rush defense but like you are only getting three yards like yeah. that's it man um but if you like it would be really interesting though to watch like iowa play like navy who might like actually take them up on that proposition <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, all uh, right let's see what you got uh, let's see other interesting teams. Um, Maryland, um, which has you know been an interesting team, is a very explosive passing offense, um, although not very an efficient one. Um, um, uh, their rush efficiency, on the other hand, is actually pretty good, although not explosive. Their um, their pass uh, defense, uh, Maryland's pass defense, is actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, not 
great, but if you look at their sort of their talent level and where their overall fit is within the league, you would think that they would be like underwater in terms of their um, pass defense. And it's not. They're at uh, about 54% um, pass defense. And uh, and actually their uh, explosive pass defense is uh, is well better than average. Um, so it's like, hmm, they, they actually did a pretty good job with their, um, their actually both their pass rush and their secondary is uh, is better than you think it is for Maryland. Um, and uh, well, we're getting close to running out of time here. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. There are all sorts of sort of interesting nuggets, I think, from the statistical um, review of the last two years of data. And then being able to do two years worth of data, you know, I think gives you a nice like smoothing out of, you know, sort of the individual, you know, herky jerkiness of this to sort of look at sort of team character uh, overall. Um, so yeah, that, that article is going up on, on Thursday. I think it'll be a good, uh, you know, survey of, of, of what Oregon's getting into. So let's wrap it up there. You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Adam? Head into our last, uh, last run with the pack people. So enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it has been a, a long stormy, uh, week, um, <laughs> but, uh, we are coming through to some sunshine, you know, eventually if we can get through your grumpy complaints, uh, about how you know, <laughs> Good luck long, with that. long flights, the, the storm may be coming to an end, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>